Okay, so I'm here with the pioneer, barrier breaker, Pam Oliver. I can't believe it. I'm so excited. Thank you for joining me here remotely. Um, this is exciting for me because like, I don't know if people know how amazing that you have, how persevere, like the perseverance, everything you had to do. So I'm just going to start at the very beginning. Okay. You grew up military style, moving a lot, changing a lot. What was life growing up like just with the, the movement that you had? Well, I think the most interesting part of it was it just took you to all these places. I mean, more states than I went to countries. Um, just You just started over all the time. I was an athlete as well. So it, it was, the toughest part was like leaving your group of people, leaving your clique and having to start all over again. But looking back on it, Renee, it, it, it was such a blessing because it taught me to adapt. I was constantly moving when I started my profession and... I just had the skills and the wherewithal to understand that, you know, you've left something behind, but you're starting something else and it can be great. And um, so that, that was an adjustment at first, but you figure it out. That's part of the lifestyle with military life and you adapt and get used to it and sink or swim, really. No. And the reason I asked that is because you kind of hinted on it. I asked it because once you get used to being uncomfortable, to moving, to adapting, you start to, to just do that naturally. And did, did young Pam know that you wanted to be a, a broadcaster, a journalist? Like, what was young Pam thinking she wanted to be before you turned into the Pam we know now? Young Pam thought she was going to be Walter Cronkite. And I know you are a little young. And I am, but I do. Yeah, but I was a news junkie when I was a kid. Everybody was you know, be outside playing and around six o'clock, I was in in front of the television watching the news. I thought the reporters were just the coolest people. They got to be where all the action was. And just a part of me was just drawn to that. And I wanted to figure out at some point how I could do that. Mom, dad, how can I do that? And, you know, they were always very supportive. I did the whole, you know, hairbrush in front of the... <laughs> And Renee, look at this. I was always Pam Oliver, Channel 10 Action News. Now, Woo! why Channel 10 Action News? I was like, Channel 10 Action News. That was Channel my SIG um, out at that time. And it was just, to look back on it now, how fortunate I was to know from a very, 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 very early age that that's what I wanted to do. Because I know a lot of young people struggle. They're not yeah. sure exactly what their path is. But I was just really fortunate. I knew very early that that is something I think I would love for the rest of my life and it's been true. Yeah, so you know, it's kind of the same with me. I was writing my signature like when I was really young, hoping that one day people would want it. Lisa Salters called you the first lady of football. Now you don't become that without a story behind it. How did you first break into, I would say the profession because you're in a profession that not a lot of women are in. You're in a profession that not a lot of black women are in. How did you even get your toe in the pond? You know, I know you went from holding the hairbrush. How did you go to holding a real microphone? Well, at Florida a and I was very, very active in trying to get internships and creating things, working on the student newspaper. But my first real job was covering agriculture, which I knew nothing about. <laughs> it was a job that came up. Uh, it paid $15,000. And I said, Oh my God, I'm set. I am. <laughs> I took that $15,000 girl and got down the road with it. But 
it was it was something an opportunity came it was a challenge i knew nothing about what i was doing i didn't know what i was doing at that point and mm -hmm. uh it was my first job out of out of college and that was the beginning i just worked very long hours i stayed and you know in the newsroom until from morning till night i was constantly editing and writing and trying to figure out how to basically hone your skills to where you can develop in your craft and i was very kind of um, pragmatic about how i looked at it i always broke things down into elements okay work on your live stuff work on your writing work on um, interviewing and work on listening to people when they talk. Um, so that's kind of how I started. And then it just went from there. I went to Huntsville, Alabama to cover space and science again, and something I knew nothing about, but you know what? You it was a job. It you figure it out. Um, sorry, that was my phone. But um, yeah, and then it was on to, where'd I go? Buffalo, New York, where I was the night beat reporter again covered murder trials and court cases and and what was that like were you ever were you ever because when you hear murder trials and i'm you're covered it you know we've all seen the movies and different things so what was that like i mean you start out in science and, and but you moved to murder trials how was that it was very upsetting um it doesn't seem like it doesn't seem real but you're in these you know these are real circumstances and you're figuring out how to cover a court case you know the prosecution okay. goes and the defense goes and expert witnesses and figuring out who's got momentum going into um you know the verdict and all of that but at that point i just again i broke it down it's like how do you do this mm, let's yeah. do this part let's do this part and um pretty much it became Sadly, it became second nature. Um, just covering these court cases is was traumatic. And you go home after leaving from doing the 11 o'clock news, getting home at one o'clock in the morning, you're just sort of looking around, looking under your bed. Yeah, seriously looking around. And, um, but I do just remember that it was, it was an, ex it was a traumatic because these are human beings. And um, I thought at that point, that's when I kind of, started to get disillusioned about covering news. Mm. Um, I knew that I wanted to be a sports reporter, but no opportunities came up, Renee. I mean, zero. That's what I was going to ask. Going from place to place, you know, I'll volunteer, I'll do this on my weekend, and door shut. There were no takers no options. as far as that went. No takers. So that's why I'm doing quotes, because I want to foreshadow where you are now. It didn't get there like that. So one of your colleagues at Fox, Christina Pink, she said, Oliver has become the standard of professionalism for women who look like her and so many women who don't. Now, the reason I say that is because you talked about it. You, I was going to say, weren't you trying to get into sports? Were you trying to actively pursue getting in sports? What was that like trying to, okay, your foot's in the door for just news in general, but what was it like to try to get your foot in the door for sports? Well, being an athlete my whole life, going to track college, and field, being an athlete, running track and field, I thought it would be a very easy transition that news directors or sports directors would be like, she's got this background and this should serve her well, but um, in some of these small markets, women, nope, that was a no. Um, yeah. That was not even a consideration at that point. But I still, you know, just sort of kept pushing. I'll do this on my own time. It, it won't interfere with what I'm doing. But, you know, Renee, I said, this is what I want to do. It's journalism. So it's news journalism. It's not sports journalism yet. 
but I, that still doesn't mean I can't work on my craft, that I can't, you know, that I have to stop and be, you know, crying in my suit because this is not going exactly the way I pictured it. Right. It was still going. And I learned at some point that, all right, this isn't ideal, but you are working in television. You are getting reps. You are getting these opportunities to travel and, you know, cover all these these various um, stories and events. So I changed my mindset. Um, I said, this is, you got to figure out that, the, you know, make this positive. It still counts. Um, it's not sports, but it does still count. It's journalism. And that's the thing you claim you love. So act like you love it like until that. that opportunity came up. Um, when I went from news to sports, that was in, what was that? That was in, was that Buffalo? Nope. It was Tampa. I was a, I was a political reporter at that point wow. and an opportunity came up in sports, uh, a person uh, transitioned out and I went to my news director and said, you know, I wish you would consider this. I realized I'm 10 years in at that point into wow. the news thing. And he said, he said, absolutely not. It would be a major step down. Nobody will ever hear from you again. If well, you why did he think that? I'm curious. Like why, why is that a step down? Well, he looked the way he looked at it at that point, sports was on decline in newsroom. So you're going from five minute segments to 2.30 at that point. And he wasn't wild about sports okay. um, in general. So he thought less of it and that news was more you know, important and you can relate to people better covering these things. But that I had definitely peaked on news. Can I tell you? <laughs> you had peaked. This is what did it for me. Uh -huh. um, I, it was, this terrible term, I won't even use it. Um, but it was, um, there was this emphasis on sensationalism and mm -hmm. getting viewers attention, promoting all of these oh. crazy, just gross stories. So my last, one of my last news stories I spent in a strip club and oh, wow. nothing okay. strip, you know, strip clubs and the, the employees, but that was not, that was not my dream. And it was really yeah, because right. they were looking to draw viewers and so it was things were being sensationalized and that was definitely a direction and you know that i was getting turned off about it's that i think that that's um phase kind of came and went even though people may not look at it that way but it did yeah. um because you know people don't relate to that sort of thing and that opportunity came up in sports and i did not look back you ended up working for ESPN, a big, you know, the big box company. What was, was it like? I was finally... Oh, I was so scared. I was, Ooh, I was about to say. I'm not going, I'm not going to ESPN. Nope, nope, nope. I am not ready. Um, they called pretty early in my sports career. And Renee, I took the bull by the horns and I just said, I'm not ready. I haven't covered enough sports. Um, at the time, Tampa only had a football team and a very bad one at that. I needed a chance to cover all the sports. So wow. I was allowed to go from Tampa to Houston for one year to kind of figure this out and cover more sports. And even then I was trying to get out of it. I did not want to go. So, so even yeah. after 10 years in the of practicing your live hits, practicing your interviews, practicing, practicing, oh. being you still just, you didn't feel like you were just ready just yet. I didn't feel that I'd been immersed enough into sports. Um, but again, 
I couldn't, I couldn't chicken out. I had to take that opportunity. Yeah. I, if I'd walked away from that, I would regret it for the rest of my life. But I was scared. I was like, I don't want to. Mommy, I want my mommy. <laughs> I don't want to go. But, That's crazy uh, because it's almost your dream. You know, like it's like I your did. dream was real. You were realizing your dream and you were like scared of it. And I had a girlfriend who said, Pam, now remember, I have listened to you all of these years. Talk yeah. about this is all you wanted. And the chance came up, but it's, it just shows how at some point in our lives, we were forced to get out of our comfort zone. Yep. I knew, I knew news and politics and how to, you know, get my way around a courthouse and those sorts of things. But I wasn't immersed in, you know, baseball or hockey. I'm still pretty weak on hockey. Um, and, you know, I just did not, I was able to, at Fox, I've been able to concentrate on one mm -hmm. sport. Um, and at ESPN, I was able to do all these different sports and do all of these different um, stories and features and that sort of thing. So I did walk away from something that I truly love in terms of just having that versatility. But I also love football quite a bit. And That's what um, I, so was yeah. football always like you were trying to always make your way to football? Like it started out as sports in general, but the sports bubble was trying to get to football for you. Was that mm -hmm. how it was? It was in a way because just some of my fondest memories, Renee, of sitting around on a Sunday with my family. My mom left the charge when it came to watching football on Sundays. It wasn't, you know, my dad saying, oh, you know, y'all are in my way. I had two older sisters, so he was surrounded by women. But um, we had the best time as a family watching football on Sunday. I was born in Dallas before we started this crazy moving around for the military. And um, Cowboys. There you go. <laughs> people ask me now what's your favorite team and I'm going no it's all professional now but back then I was a tried and true Cowboys fan and you know was proud of it but we would sit around as a family and I just remember how special that was when I you know think back on it that was something that really bonded us you know Thanksgiving Cowboys and the Washington football team they weren't called that at the time obviously but yeah um, those, those battles and, you know, my dad always picking some other team because they were playing the Cowboys and he wasn't a big Cowboys man, but those sorts of things. Um, he was going to get the grain of the household. And that's how the football thing started. I just, I just loved the game. Um, I, I looked up to these athletes who were males and, um, Drew Pearson. I just knew I was going to marry Drew Pearson. <laughs> biggest crush on Drew Pearson. And then I see him now, Renee, and I can't even look him in the face. I just start looking at my feet. I'm so, I get so shy. But to, to have that that as a as a young girl, and yeah. then later on in life, you're working around some of these Crazy. these athletes that you just admired so much and cheered for as you know as a kid. And then you're in their environment as a professional. So that, that was really cool. And it still just never gets old, ever. Love that. Because I, I had those Super Bowl parties at our house, too. My dad is a Cowboys fan. So I remember those Super Bowl yeah, those. parties for the church. <laughs> um, but I wanted to ask you, because a lot of women are going to face a lot of diversity. I mean, a lot of just problems, mm -hmm. I would say, trying to enter that. You had a very known promotion demotion. How yeah. did you deal with, like, how did you deal with that? The buildup of, okay, finally going to get the job that I wanted. And then just that letdown. Like, how do you handle that, especially in the professional world? Well, I think it's just like in real life and just your everyday life, things don't always work out the way you had hoped and planned. And then 
you know, you're faced with, you know, the biggest adversity professionally that that's ever happened um, in my career. So I had to figure, you know, I had to figure out if I was going to let that derail me completely and crush my spirit and crush me in terms of what I loved, or was I going to just adapt? And I chose to adapt that I'm still pretty damn lucky, you know, still I have a talented girl. you're talented well thank you I, I but I'm still just you know I wake up sometimes going man I get to do this for a living um and I now that for our group our season is over and it's I go into this period of mourning and um because I love it so much but you do you learn a lot about yourself you really learn that it's put up or shut up all the things that you thought you were at that point you have to decide to tap into those things and it, it just was part of life now it's part of my story a part of my history and you know of course you don't want those things to happen but they do that's just that's just the world we live in and that's life I agree. I mean, being in sports, I deal with it quite often. Even me being a WNBA player, trying to get into the analyst role in the NBA, you know, there's, there's bare, it's the same as you. It's not like I just walk up and everybody's like, oh, Renee, here's a job. It wasn't like that. I did the cold emails. We've been emails. waiting for you. Where have you been? We've been waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, you got to make that stuff happen. Period. Thank you. Period. Yes. You know, Adrian Peterson, that just reminded me of something. Adrian Peterson said that you're somebody that he can trust, that the players can trust. And to me, that's a big deal because me being an athlete, there's not a lot of reporters that I want to just trust and tell things to. But no, I, I think it's because you've been so transparent. You've been so professional your whole time. You've been very open about who you are, what you're there for. And one of the things that you've been open about was you suffer from like chronic migraines. Mm -hmm. Can you just talk about just dealing with that in a sport where it's loud, your work environment is not ideal for someone that deals with what you deal with. Can you just talk about that? Because I don't think a lot of people know when they see you on the sidelines that sometimes you're ducking behind tunnels to kind of just get some peace and calm. Sometimes the night before you could have been visiting an ER in the city of the area. I want people to understand like, you battled a lot of adversity and still, I mean, perform at the highest level. No one even knows. Yeah, migraine sufferers, I think, you know, we we understand each other. But when that little red light comes on and there are, you know, 10, 15, 20 million people watching, yeah. nobody cares. And you've got a job to do. And that just means that Sunday, it's going to be a wee bit harder. With a migraine, it's very, very hard to concentrate the... Um, the lights and the noise and the pyrotechnics. You can't tell 60,000 people just to can Be you hold quiet. it down a little bit, but um, you, I, it's one of those things that I would be, I would get really, really sick. You know, I could get, I get them in my sleep. So it gets ahead of me. Sometimes if I'm feeling a little uncomfortable, my neck starts to burn or I get this pressure around this area of my face um, that I know it's time to address it. But a lot of times I get them in my sleep and then I wake up at two, three, four o'clock in the morning and it's full blown. And I'm running around in these various cities trying to get to an ER really quickly or get to, 
you know, an urgent care. Um, and it's not a woe is me thing. I hope some people take this and see. They better not take it as a woe is me. I'm going to do the PSA. I'm <laughs> sorry, but when you have to perform, I do TV, when you have to perform and you're doing sideline reporting and you come in for a quick hit and you come back out, you, you have to be sharp and on point. So it's not a woe is me. It's a look what you're doing in spite of is what this is. Yeah, exactly. And I've learned to how and sometimes I'm successful, sometimes I'm not. There are just times where the producer and the director take care of me. And by that, I mean, they'll say, come into the truck for a little bit or, um, you know, we can get we can get entry information from from PR and we'll get it in that way. If I'm really, really struggling, like with the nausea and vomiting, that's yeah. the worst. That's the worst part of it. Um, you can kind of, you know, focus your eyes a certain way to be able to alleviate some of the pressure on your, on your eyes. But I, I'm running around trying to get this, um, you know, alleviating some type, I can't do painkillers or anything like that, but right. it's just kind of just relaxing the muscles because you're so bunched up. And um, it, I don't wish that on my worst enemy. No. Um, it's really, really been, a, a tough thing and we're we're not quite sure what brings them on for me what my trigger is um so i i just never know but i i've just learned though the minute i start feeling discomfort like right now i feel a little discomfort and it was i felt this a few hours ago so i just took a over the counter and you know feel and hope that it doesn't turn into something else but you know i'm telling you this because the minute i stop I will go and maybe do some progressive muscle relaxation or yeah. do some meditation um, in addition to, and I want people to understand about this, this problem is that everybody's different and that you can control it to the best of your ability. Mm -hmm. But right now, um, you know, I, I do feel a little uncomfortable, but it's not, it's not out of control and I don't plan for it to get out of control. I've been lucky. I had it's string of weeks there almost three weeks that i didn't have a migraine and it's like woohoo and then and, uh, and didn't you say it's almost a rebound migraine when yeah. it just keeps on it's recurring same, over same, it's the same yeah. migraine that just mm -hmm. kind of keeps coming back and back you It'll, give yourself yeah, two yeah. shots a month mm -hmm. to try to combat that the reason i'm saying all of this is because i want people to understand i know on your most recent uh, broadcast on Fox, a lot of people were concerned about you. They were concerned yeah. what was going on with you. And I wanted people to understand that you deal with a lot, you know, like you, and on top of all the things that we just talked about, it's only freezing cold out there. And I, I mean, I'm just like, this is not an excuse. I know I've been out, I've been in the position that you're in, not with migraines. I've been having, me having to perform completely healthy is hard enough in itself. So I want people to understand there's a lot going on behind people that you don't know, first of all, and that this is like, I mean, this is things that put you to the hospital, take you to the ER. Mm -hmm. um, can you just talk about that? I don't know if you even knew, but like there was a lot going on on social media. Firestorm from what yeah. I understood. Um, people, I got, my phone's blown up with, are you okay? What's, yeah. what's happening? Um, please tell me you're okay. And people reaching out to my husband and then people getting into it on social media. And I, it's and me, I'm people. I'm, so, I'm sorry, I was not with it. I was not with it. I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, but yeah, I just want, that's why I wanted to ask because I just yeah. think that people 
Like, you know, the same thing happened with a Chadwick Boseman where everyone started to talk about how skinny he was. Like, there was no concern about his health. It was just like, man, he's skinny. He looks bad at All-Star. He looked terrible. Sure. People have no empathy anymore, yeah. no sympathy. Right. So I wanted to just, you address, I'm glad, can you address that? Because I addressed it on the internet, but I want you to address it here. <laughs> well, there was no health issue. Tell you the truth, I was just cold. Uh, the words didn't come out well. It, there was no, I wasn't drunk. I wasn't having a stroke. It was not migraine related. It was just that I didn't perform for that 30 seconds. And, and that's fine. That's like on, That's on me. Um, and I don't, I don't blame anything. Um, I did, you know, get a little cold and I know that there are certain steps I have to take just to keep, you know, everything nice and warm. And, but we'd been out there for three hours before kickoff. Lambo. I, I'm, Lambo. Just like, I'm, I'm trying to tell people this is Lambo we're talking Lambo. about too. <laughs> Non-football fans won't get it, but if people know football and I say Lambo, right. that should mean something to you. So I'm yeah. just, I'm but just saying no, because we- no. Yeah, I don't want to, no excuses. Um, that was just, I did not perform. And that happens. And when it happens, unfortunately, that was in front of millions of people. And some people took it that something had happened, that I was ill or something like that. And I, you know, and, and I basically wasn't. I was, you know, I was a little cold and um, maybe. And that's okay. Not I, look, we're not, I, look, I'm going to say it right here when I said, no, I will not tolerate any Pam Oliver, anything <laughs> on my timeline on this, because you have a 25 plus year career that says that you will actually, let me read a quote from Dallas Cowboys owner Jerry Jones. And she said, she has a communication skill that really causes people to share with her unique thoughts and express them in unique ways because she shows grace. Like that word to me was important because she shows grace. So I want people to show you the same grace that a Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry says about you. And I, I think that that's important because in the sports world, it's unforgiving. Look, athletes, like if you miss the shot, they're gonna uh -huh. kill me on the social media. I already know, like we know what it's like when you go in front of millions of fans, but I still think that there's this word, it's grace. And you show athletes grace, even how they were talking to you in the interviews. Like, you know, like, and you're saying, I didn't perform to my best, but the athletes were still talking to you like, okay, Miss Fam, okay, Miss Like they still showed you a high, high, high level of respect. And that's that's a testament to the way you've carried yourself in the past. That's a testament to how you carried yourself even on that game. It's cold. You know, they had jackets on, they had things in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I know they had all sorts of old tricks of the trade, but I, again, uh, and I'm worrying now that this sounds like an excuse. It, it was not. Yeah, it was, it's done, it's out there. I always look at those things. I still had a game to do. I knew I'd had, you know, if they won, I'd have post game to do. So um, I have learned to have that little mechanism and, and, you know, just, you got, you got more to do. You've got, you've got a whole half of football to deal with. So let's, let's be positive and get through it. But I'm like everybody else, you know, you do a presentation in front of your, your boss and coworkers and something doesn't go according to plan, then, you know, it bothers you. And I guess it, it bothered me more that so many of my friends and family, they were concerned that I was, that something happened to me, you know, physically. And that, um, you know, because of the reaction to so many people, it's just like, I just flubbed it. It, it was no more than that. It wasn't, um, A, it wasn't the end of the world. And, you know, B, you don't really, 
know me. I don't know you. I'm not asking you to, to judge me. I'm not asking you to give me a pass. I'm not asking any of that because what I do for our living um, is out there for the world to see and to judge. So I could have had a perfect live shot and somebody would have found something. Well, oh, look at her collar. Her collar is not just right. But Renee, you live in this world. It's just like, I live I, in it. I, there's nothing I can do and I'm not going to try. I'm going to try to do my best to represent myself well, to represent my company well, and my family and my friends. But beyond that, if you're not in my little, if you're outside of my force field, yeah. um, I just, I can't, I can't help you. Beautiful. That's all. And that's that on that. Bloop. And so I saw a lot of people saying during this time that you're like a hall of fame. You're already in the hall of fame. Let's be clear, but you're a hall of famer in a sense of how you broke down barriers. I've saw journalists, and this is just me like hashtag Googling your name on social media. And I saw so many NABJ journalists, women talking about you are the prototype you are their beyonce their oprah i saw such an outcry from a community in a good way in a sense of like a lot of women recognize that you knocked down some pretty huge barriers i mean football we know nfl is really fighting to try to get diversity in it anyway we know the rooney rule like they're actively fighting to get diversity we just saw two black women sideline reporting in a playoff game, what is that like for you, knowing how it, how hard it was to get there? That was a career highlight, to tell you the truth. I was so proud of that, to be a part of that, especially with, you know, Christina, um, Christina with her talents and her her bright future. Um, to be able, you know, I kept I kept joking with her. It's like, let's go down to the mother daughter team here. Um, <laughs> It's kind of the mother-daughter team. Uh, but uh, so that was really a thrill for me. And we were in the elevator after dinner. And I was like, you, you realize, right? This is a do. And we just hugged. And um, the people, you know, people were high-fiving us. And, you know, uh, you know, Black people who are, who get it. But, you know, I think a lot of people got it, but didn't want to say anything like it was like, you know, it was like, it's, this is not common. So it's, it's all right to say something. It's just, well, we just want to keep it. We've got two great reporters and they're doing their things, which is fine and good. And, you know, we do think that we're doing our thing, but it, it was a moment. And I was proud to be associated with it um, after all these years because there had not been that opportunity before, I think. Um, but two Black women together on a, you know, on an, in a sideline and on a very big stage, it was absolutely cool i loved it i loved it too i was like i was recording on the tv i was watching i was going crazy because that was a moment everybody has to recognize that was a moment for a sport that i mean they're actively trying to diversify their sport like they're outwardly talking about it and then for the network shouts to fox because for a network to kind of take the lead on that what do you think that means? You know, we're talking about Black History Month and things. What, what, like Fox, a network like Fox, they did it, you know? And I, I was reading quotes and I like Googled you. I've been studying you for like, through, ever since you said yes, That's I've been studying you. I did with you. I was all, I was like, yeah. and then you know, I was, I was like, it. you went to high school where? She said, Girl. Like I was getting quotes. I'm like, oh my God, Jerry Jones said that, Adrian <laughs> Peterson. But the reason was, these were some heavy hitters 
And all of them were talking about you're a fixture at Spox. Like people come to see Pam, like you're the rock star of the group. How does it feel, you know, knowing where you started? And we talked about young Pam holding the, the uh, brush. The airbrush. <laughs> yeah, like young Pam, what would young Pam think now? Or what would you even say to a young Pam about where we are right now? I would just say to a young Pam that just emphasize in your brain, in your heart, in your spirit, emphasize that, you know, you're just a person with a dream. I consider myself, you know, a humble person, uh, keep my feet on the ground, always have, still have insecurities, still have challenges, you know, don't, I, you know, there's this thing where you just don't feel like I've, I've done some things in my career, but feel like there's a whole different, another chapter, but I would just tell young Pam to, you know, find something or someone that you feel like, you know, you can emulate or you can, um, you know, mimic what they do or, you know, listen to your parents, your teachers. Those are the, the people that are right in front of you. You don't necessarily have to look outside. Um, and, you know, that's something that's, that's really important to me that, um, young kids understand that role models are right in front of you every single day. Um, you know, people that have made sacrifices for you and for others and who uh, go about their daily life um, trying to do the best they can and to do the right thing. And I think those are just great human examples. And to young Pam, I'd say, just don't, don't miss the forest or the trees. Um, just just be, be there as much as you can in the moment and realize that cliche as it is, you cannot work hard enough. You can always work harder. I get on myself sometimes, you know, I said, you know, did I work as hard as, did I cover all my bases? Did I, there were times I've gone into a game and said, well, you know, there was this article that I meant to read that I didn't read. And what if that article, you know, says some, has all this information that I, then, you know, you get over that. Um, the game breaks out is what I always say. Yeah. And then you focus on what's right in front of you, but I just don't feel like you can work hard enough. And that's, that's never an old lesson. And, you know, young Pam, older Pam, I still feel the same way about it. It's, you know, it's about the work and the kind of person that you hope to be. I love that. Be present and you can never work hard enough. I want to end with a quote from your colleague, Christina Pink. And she said, Pam is just important to everybody. Just her legacy, her longevity, all women, all reporters, male, female, black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. The way she approaches her work is just an example to all of us. So you didn't even know I'm going to say like that. I had that no. already. And is Where's that not that crazy? <laughs> Where'd you, where'd you find that? First of all, it's very, very sweet. And it means a lot to me. Um, I told you I was like, I was, <laughs> I yeah, but, I was you know, again, it's like when, when it's, when you feel like you're just you, you know, and you're, you're trying to be humble, keep your feet on the ground. Uh, but it's not like I don't accept those sorts of things. It makes me a little, what you know, I, I mess up all the time. I mess up every day. I'm trying to do my best, but, um, but I understand what she's saying and I, and I'm appreciative of that. And I'm very, very proud. The one thing I do say out loud is just, I'm just proud of my longevity that I've been able to stick around for this long. Time is the teller, the testament of time. Yeah, yeah. And um, I just, I know I've been really fortunate with that because I've seen people come and I've seen people go. And if I've remained on the scene for this long, I hope it's because um, people see, 
you know, that I can still do this job. You know, I still bring at some a high level. <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to be humble for you. I, you are the wrong. You are talking to the wrong one. You can be humble all you want. I'm here to talk that talk because it's amazing, and I want you to know, like roses. I like to give people the roses now, not wait till anything. And you deserve all those roses. Your career is like an example of what for women. It wasn't like you didn't have just easy path and just walk straight there. You did 10 years of news. Mm -hmm. Knowing you wanted to be in sports, you did 10 years of news. Then even when you got the opportunity, you still wanted to be more prepared. And you still I want people to understand that because some people want to take the shortcut and they just want to like start be doing all the big stories and be doing all the, it's not, that's not the case. And you need and to that, put in the work. You know, Renee, obviously that, I think that's something that worries me too, about, you know, just this young generation, they want everything, you know, just now. And yeah. I, when I, and when young people ask me, well, how do I do what you do? I'm like, well, what if you, what if it's not meant for you to do exactly what I'm doing? What if it's meant for you to do something else? Yeah. And how do I get started? I said, go to a small market. I started, I started in Albany, Georgia. I'm not sure the market size at that point, but it was a teeny tiny and remains a small market, but it was huge for me and what I became. And a lot of these young people just want everything yesterday. And I'm yep. saying, you know what? Get out, get, nobody's gonna go, you can hand me a card with your picture on it and a YouTube. Uh, I'm not gonna YouTube you. I'm not gonna do the work, you know, to try to hire you. It's, it's supposed to be the other way around. Yeah. And I'm not going to your YouTube channel, uh, but. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, for those kids, I think who get it to say, you know, it all counts, go get some reps in a small market. Who knows? You may not have to go to a small market. You go to, you know, medium-sized market. What's wrong with being a writer? What's wrong with being a producer? If anything, um, I am so, uh, I just want young people to understand there are other jobs, your producer yeah. and director that we need to see more minorities in. Where's the pipeline? I'd yeah. like to see that um develop a little bit more that you know all, not everybody's going to be on camera these jobs are limited they're hard to get and people don't move like me you know <laughs> years later stay there you stay okay train me right out of there but just look for at other opportunities because there are other opportunities and i would love to see diversity and growth behind the scenes more than than i've been seeing um on on our big game with me and christina you could count on one hand the number of minorities and the number of women. And um, that's something I would like to see change um, big time in the near future, but you've got to have an open mind about that. And you've got to be able to say, oh, there are other opportunities. Let me explore that. Um, you know, I think that's, that's really, really important. Well, Pam, I've been concerned ever since you said you're not feeling well. Like, I, I, so I'm so thankful for you to take this time out for me. No, honestly, I told you before, like I already knew some things about you, but I like dove deeper and just your whole story, your sister, your mom, everything. Like you are a person that has overcome any obstacles that's been put in your way. So I'm so happy to be able to highlight your career, you, and thank you for joining me on Remotely. It is my pleasure, Renee. Let me just say that you're a dynamo. I'm loving your, your style. I'm loving what you're doing. This was a really, really good interview and I enjoyed it. You really brought a lot to the table. You know, a lot of times you can do this thing in your sleep, but thanks for challenging me. And um, I, I appreciate that. You're a terrific interviewer. Yes, I'm taking that clip. I'm taking that. You heard it. 
I'm taking that clip. Thank you so much, Pam. And I, we will be, I will be fangirling from a distance and online. I am your sister soldier online. I'm not playing, but okay. I, listen, the community, we love you, honestly. Thank you. Thank you, Hi, this is Matt Rogers. And this is Bowen Yang. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or staying together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.